word of our Lord from the Gospel of John says, Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves, and the money changers doing business. When he, when he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the money changers' money, overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word to our hearts and to our lives. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. You've heard it said, I'm sure, that the church is not a museum for the healthy, but instead is a hospital for the sick. And while I agree with this statement, I want to draw your attention to a few things to consider. Think about the role of a hospital. Since we often say that the church isn't for healthy people, it's for broken people, it's for hurting people, it's for sick people, it's for diseased people, it's like a hospital for those who need to be cared for. The role of a hospital is to help the sick get well. The role of of a hospital is to heal the injured. The role of a hospital is not to provide a place for the sick and injured to gather together and wallow. That's not what a hospital is for. A hospital is a place of healing. It's a a place of health. It's a place of restoration. It's a place where you get to see a doctor and perhaps a surgeon. It's where you get to have, have health teams caring for you and providing care that is needed for your body to return to health. It's not just a place to go and relax and to be told, it's okay, we're all sick. If you're looking for a place simply to commiserate with others who are sick and injured, you're looking for a bar, not a church. The church offers wellness and healing. The church is not just a club. It's not just an institution. It's not just a gathering place for people who are hurting and people who are sick. It is a place that offers wellness and offers healing to those who need it. And so what the church offers is grace and truth. The church offers discipleship and accountability. The church offers worship 
and sacraments. In the church, we are invited to come. We are invited to gather together as broken as we might be, as injured as we might be, as sick and diseased as we might be. We are invited to come into a place where we can find healing, where we can find restoration, where we can find hope, real substantive hope. The church is not just a place for sinners to gather and wallow. It is a place for sinners to be found. It is a place for sinners who are broken and hurting to find healing and health. In the passage this morning from John chapter 2, we see quite plainly that Jesus got mad I believe Billy has a, a slide for you. You might have seen this meme on Facebook and Twitter and other, other social media places. If anyone ever asks you, what would Jesus do? Kindly remind him that flipping over tables and chasing people with a whip are within the realm of possibilities. Jesus got angry. Furiously angry. To the point where in this enormous temple, which was the size of several football fields, Jesus is roaming about, flipping tables, knocking over uh, money boxes, perhaps kicking over some bird cages. And that's after the text tells us he made a whip. I don't know if you remember being a kid and when mom would go that crazy, but it was scary. Some of you have been there recently. Jesus was filled with anger. Now I often point out, and you probably hear others often point out, that Jesus got the most hostile and the most angry with the religious people. And that is definitely true. But that was not just because He wanted the religious people to be the beneficiaries of His anger. It was because what they were doing in twisting and perverting what should have been good, what should have been something that was true, what should have been something that was honorable, what should have been the talk of the town in a good way, not a bad way. And so what Jesus finds when He approaches Jerusalem is He finds that they are changing out money. You see, you had a variety of different types of money in the ancient world. Not only did you have the, the, the money of the empire, but you had the money of the region. And because that was dirty money, you had different money to give in the temple as an offering. And so they would gladly take your dirty money and give you good and holy money so that you could then go drop it in the offering plate. And what it seems that Jesus has found is he's found a place where people are being ex- where people are being 
preyed upon and where people are being treated just as cattle passing along through the temple. He finds that the temple has just become another place of cheap business. Jesus had passion for his people. And he had passion for what should have been a place for his people to gather and celebrate. Now you might say, wait a minute, the, the temple was different than the church. You're starting to conflate the two. You're putting, putting, putting the two too far together. You're muddying the waters here. The church is not what the temple was. The temple was the house of God and the church is spoken of as being the house of God as well. You know, the, that term house carries a double meaning biblically. That a house is both a place where family gathers, like the physical structure. Kids, if you're taking notes, that blank would be a building. But a house is more than just a place, more than just a building. It's more than just a physical structure where a family meets. A house, biblically speaking, is also the family that gathers. A household. So again, youth, if you're kids, if you're taking notes, you got building and family. The people of God are spoken of in the Old Testament and the New Testament as the family of God, His family. He is our Father and He has brought us to Himself. He has brought us in. He has welcomed us into His family. And both the temple in the Old Testament and the church of the New Testament, gathering as they, as they did in, in little home communities and, and different places that we wouldn't typically think of as a church. Both of those structures, both of those institutions, the temple and the church, were spoken of as the house of God. It was a place where God was supposed to meet with His people. And the church is where the, God's family gathers together to celebrate. We gather together to celebrate His presence among us. Many times we're celebrating His presence among us in the week prior. Celebrating what God has done. Celebrating how faithful He's been. Celebrating how He's provided. Celebrating how He's worked through us. But we celebrate also His presence here with us now. The church is where God's family gathers together to celebrate His presence, but also His grace and truth. And so we worship together. And in our worshiping together, we remind one another of the family's story. We tell that story together. Sometimes different parts we highlight. 
Sometimes it might be some obscure passage from the book of Leviticus. Sometimes it might be one of the Psalms. Sometimes it might be when one of the prophets got angry. Sometimes it might be a good and and delightful passage where we feel encouraged. But we gather together as God's family, celebrating His presence and recounting to one another the many signs of His grace and His truth. We tell the story of the family together. Paul in his New Testament epistles refers to the church as the temple of the Holy Spirit. And as the temple of the Holy Spirit, the church is where the Spirit uniquely works. You know, He works in this context in a way that He doesn't work in other contexts. You may say, that's not fair, Pastor. That's not right. But the fact is that as the people of God come together to celebrate His presence, He through His Spirit is able to work in ways that He doesn't otherwise work. That's the cause of Paul's chastisement of the Corinthian church. They were allowing sin in their midst and they were exploiting one another. And so Paul appeals to them, aren't you guys the temple of the Holy Spirit? How are you doing this? How are you behaving like this? I don't know if you've seen the... Um, I'm making way too many social media references. I think that... Uh, that um, I, I'm not doing it to try to be cool. I simply am cool, and so I do it. But, <laughs> kidding. Um, you might have seen the video. I, I, I know I've shared it a couple of times, and uh, professors that I follow have uh, have shared it a couple of times. With the, I believe it's probably in a Lutheran church. It looks like a very modern Lutheran church. But the, the minister gets up and he says the word of, of he says the scripture reading this morning comes from, and he introduced it. I can't remember what he maybe Proverbs or something. And then he puts his head down. And he's and you hear this deep sigh. And he says, "You guys." That's kind of what Paul's saying. What are you doing? You're the temple of God. You can't, you can't allow certain things to go on in your midst. You can't treat one another in certain ways. Now you might be saying, wait a minute. When I think of grace, I always think of good things and I think of kindness and gentleness and that sort of thing. You often have grace and truth coupled together in the Scriptures. In fact, in John's uh, prologue to his gospel, back in chapter 1, he mentions that Christ brought grace and truth. You know, truth is kind of a, an inconvenient uh, aspect of life. It's what doesn't change. It is what it is. Paul says... You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are where God's Spirit is to be working in unique ways. God's grace among you is supposed to be is supposed to be transformative. See, the church is where the broken and wounded are brought in for healing. 
Not just brought in and told it's okay, but brought in for healing. The churches where the diseased and hurting are brought in to be made well. The churches where outsiders are welcomed as family. And not just any family, the family of God. You remember, you were once not a people. You were outsiders. You were forgotten. But you've been made a people. You've been brought into the family of God. The churches where insiders are commissioned to be sent back out. Because you are ambassadors for God. As though God were pleading through you to be reconciled to Himself. And so you've got this this motion, this movement that is taking place as the family of God gathers together. People who are broken and wounded, people who are diseased and hurting, being brought in for healing and being brought in to be made well. Those who are outside, being welcomed in as family, being brought close through the blood of Christ. And it's the same movement or the same motion that is happening when we celebrate the Eucharist together. Because what we do when we celebrate the Eucharist together, think of it, we, we spend time in preparing. The liturgy that we work through is not for the purposes of magic. It is for the purposes of preparing our hearts and our minds around something that is time-tested and true. It is an opportunity to quiet ourselves, to quiet our hearts, to quiet our minds, to get ourselves before God in repentance and preparation. And so we acknowledge where we're broken. We acknowledge where we have fallen short. We acknowledge where we have sinned sometimes. And then we're invited to come. We're invited to draw close. We're invited to to come to the table where the family gathers together to be fed. And as we receive what God has for His family, we're sent back out. That is what the house of grace is supposed to be. A place where all can gather. A place where those who aren't right can come and can be made right. A place where those who have wounds and scars can come to be cared for so that they can be healed and nourished and sit back out. So that others then might come. Troubles abound. 
we gather together this morning in a sanctuary that, you know, that word sanctuary means a holy place. And we gather together in this holy place. Ours is a little bit different than others. But we gather together as God's people. And part of what is happening as we gather together is we're leaving some of the world's troubles behind us. Don't look now, they're still out there. Some of you are probably thinking about some of those troubles. Even as we gather to worship and you're thinking, okay, just don't focus on that, focus on God. It's okay. That's part of what is happening in worship is we are we're bringing who we are and what we have to God, asking Him for help so that He can touch and heal. And troubles abound. They abound in our lives. They abound in our communities. They, they abound on the news. We know of our personal hurts. Things that are going on in family. Things that are going on with, with finances. Things that are going on with, with uh, trying to get class projects completed. Personal things in our lives just aren't adding up. Some of us are just overwhelmed by some of, the, some of the cultural shifts that are taking place around us. Troubles abound. We're worried about and, 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 and concerned with things like gender fluidity and public toilets and denominational activism and all sorts of things that are clear signs in our culture that things are happening, things that make us uncomfortable, things that... that, that that have us worried and anxious. We have political anxieties. Whether you like Hillary or Trump or you're feeling the burn. You might be thinking third parties and you might be worried about wasted votes and all those different things. Troubles abound. Life is filled with troubles. We each bear our own share of troubles. But we're the family of God. And we've gathered together as His people in His house to receive of His grace so that we might go back out and so what's the family of God to do when troubles abound? I want to offer to you some suggestions that you can take with you to hopefully help you as you try to navigate the waters of the troubles that abound as we try to take the grace that we receive by His Spirit as His family in His house as we try to take that grace back into the world to be gracious people and vessels of His grace. The first suggestion I want to make to you this morning is that as the family of God, we ought to pray for help. That seems like a no-brainer, but that's, that's an easy place to start. I say easy. Sometimes prayer is hard. 
But that's the obvious thing. When, when you're filled with trouble, when you're filled with anxiety, when, you, when you're overly concerned, perhaps rightly so, pray. I always, we, we often joke with our kids when we say it's time for, to, for, for prayer. Um, we'll, we'll start breaking out some MC Hammer. I don't know if you remember some MC Hammer, but we'll start saying we got to pray just to make it today. And one day I thought, I'm just going to show the kids the, the music video. That Certainly there's got to be the music video available online. Sure enough, I found it on YouTube. And the kids just sat there. They weren't amused at all. They, I think they were a cross between concerned and scared. And then they thought, they, they didn't ask it this way, but they seriously asked me, why did you waste our time? It was like, Dad, why would you show us that? And it wasn't because they, they, you know, they, they were afraid of it, but they thought this, we could have been in bed by now. It was that bad. Pray for help. Bring those anxieties to Christ. Bring those troubles to Christ. Bring all of those worries, all of those hurts, all those hang-ups, all those fears to Christ and say, Lord, please have mercy. And help me to be a vessel of your mercy. Secondly, remain faithful. To lose faith, not just to disbelieve, but to compromise on faith, is to fail to live in the truth for the sake of wanting to be gracious. But remember, grace and truth always come together. Remain faithful. Never give up. Never give in. I could add on to that, chill out and be kind. Because I'm not, I'm not trying to invite you to be mean to folks. Be salt and light. You know, one thing salt doesn't do is salt doesn't rot or doesn't mock rotting meat. You know something that light doesn't do. Light doesn't curse darkness. Our community, our world needs salt and needs light. Be that salt. Be that light. Don't confuse compassion for caregiving. You remember the role of a hospital is not just for nurses to gather around and pat their patients on the back and say, they're there, it'll be okay. The role of a hospital is to provide healing. It is to actually give care. To offer health and wellness. So don't confuse compassion for caregiving. Now, be compassionate in your caregiving, but don't think, oh, if we're just 
if we just accept things that are kind, then, then okay, then we've done our part. And lastly, live in community. There is no way to transform culture apart from transforming community. And there is no way to transform community if you're not in it. It's not possible. Live in community with one another if you're cheap commercial. If you're not part of a small group, you're robbing yourself. You need to be a part of a small group. It helps you to live in community, to grow together, to encourage one another, to walk together. Live in community with one another as the people of God and live in community with others. Your neighbors ought to know who you are and not because you're a bad neighbor. Your neighbors ought to know who you are and your neighbors ought to know that you're neighborly. That you're approachable. You might not be the most fun-loving person like myself. You may not be the biggest joy to hang around with like I am. But your neighbors ought to know your name, ought to know your face, ought to know what you do. Ought to, that's always an awkward conversation. And when it comes up and they're like, so what do you do? I'm like, yeah. Uh, I'm a pastor of a church. Really? I'm sorry for how I've been talking. <laughs> that, that would happen sometimes. But, but your neighbors ought to find you approachable. It's amazing. When you read through specifically the Gospel of John, but all the Gospels, but especially the Gospel of John, since I was preaching last week on the Samaritan woman at the well, and this week I'm preaching about him turning over tables and chasing people with whips and that sort of thing. What you find in the Gospel of John, as well as the other Gospels, is that Jesus was extremely approachable. The incarnate Son of God, the one who literally did hang the stars and hang the moon, the one who is able to speak to the waves and tell them, chill out and stop it and have them obey. He is extremely approachable by everyone, by authority figures, by nobodies. Live in community because you cannot transform community without living in it and you cannot and will never transform culture and therefore be salt and light in culture that has that transformative effect without starting a community. It always gets back down to the family and it gets back down to the neighborhood. We've been brought together into the house of grace by the work of God's gracious spirit so that our hurts can be healed, so that our wounds can be 
dealt with so that we might receive of the grace and truth of God so that we might be discipled and accountable to one another so that we can worship and receive the sacraments so that we can then go back out into the world and tell the world that is hurting, that is broken, that is shattered and splintering, we know where you can find healing. We found it ourselves. We're still finding it. But there's a place, there's a house, where everyone who gathers is treated like family. And everyone who gathers is given grace so that they might be healed and made well. That is the hope of the world. That's the hope that Jesus offers. That's the hope that we're reminded of when we gather as His people around His table to celebrate His meal and to remember His death. Let's pray.